0: I'm Farrell.
1: And I'm Rhonda Pickering.
0: And we're so glad to be here with you and to share with you some of our insights. And especially today, I'm just excited about Deuteronomy in the sense that it's remembering. And, And probably the biggest reason I think is so fascinating in Deuteronomy is that the research shows that Deuteronomy was probably... The most used book in establishing our constitution and our government today. So that is just a fascinating take on things. When you think that that our country was founded on the principles that were revealed to Moses in Deuteronomy, I was going
1: to say the laws and the statutes. The, of the laws Moses, and the
0: yes. statutes of Moses. Now, granted, it's not exactly the same, but it's probably the most referred to book when they established the constitution the book of Deuteronomy, because it goes through and kind of takes an explanation of the Ten Commandments, the covenant, covenant being the Ten Commandments that they took on Mount Sinai. And Deuteronomy takes it and applies it kind of in everyday life to their lives at the time. So it's really cool. So it's really a message to us because we are founded... As part of Israel, really, here in America. I mean, in fact, you know, many of the early founding fathers brought out the fact that that we were a branch of Israel. We are that that Jacob running over the wall, the well. Joseph, Joseph, over. yeah, Joseph. I'm sorry, Joseph running over the wall. Anyway, so it's really fascinating. So what we're going into- to get into?
1: Clarify that. In Joseph's patriarchal blessing, he says that he will be a branch that runs yeah. over the wall in Genesis I forty-nine. It.
0: Yeah, but that's okay. <laughs> Just to help
1: anybody that was lost?
0: It's close okay. enough. Uh, no, you did good. Thank you for clarifying that. So that being said, we're going to go into and look really as it applies to us to a large degree, and that's going to be my main focus. as I'm going to take Deuteronomy and you look at it in the past, but realize really it's talking about our covenant and that the book of mormon actually places on us that we are a covenant land also and so when we go through this just think of us almost all the way through
1: so you're saying deuteronomy is a covenant for us as well
0: absolutely deuteronomy is really as much for us as it is for them Therefore it shall come to pass if ye he hearken to these judgments and keep and do them, that the Lord thy God shall keep thee unto thee the covenant and the mercy which he swear unto the fathers. So right right away we know that this is just think of it as us in first person, that if we hearken to these judgments and keep them and do them, that the Lord thy God shall keep unto thee the covenant and the mercy which he swear unto the fathers." We could think of our founding fathers in that instance. <clears throat> and the Lord will take away from thee all sickness and will put none of the evil diseases of Egypt, which thou knowest upon thee, but will lay them upon all them that hate thee. So here we are, um, you know, in Avram's work, he presents us in as, A form of Egypt in modern days, hopefully not in the founding, but in where we've gone to.
1: No, I was just going to clarify. That's Dr. Avraham Gileadis' work. (laughs)
0: Okay, good. I appreciate your clarification. Anyway, so right out of the gate, what a promise. And the Lord will take away from thee all sickness and put away the evil diseases of Egypt. Obviously, that's conditional. And we're not seeing the fruit of that in our day because we're receiving the diseases of Egypt. We are in in violation of covenant in this land. And that's kind of a scary thought, but I I, I guess tonight I want you to be a little patient with me because the message I'm gonna be sharing with you is really quite a message of repentance to us. And I know repentance isn't usually a popular message. In fact, in times past, it didn't work out so good for prophets to call people to repentance. And I'm not qualifying myself as a prophet. I'm simply saying when any of us take on the role to point out that the prophets have called us to repentance, sometimes it can be an unpopular thing.
1: Um, so what would you say is the covenant?
0: We're going to get into that. To oh, a good. But in essence, it's it's to because a large you degree.
1: You're saying we have to keep the covenant. Okay.
0: To a large degree, it's just the covenant of justice one with another. Just being just, just being a lawful nation, not an unlawful nation. Okay. Being bound by good judges, good agreements. I mean, in the Book of Mormon times, we have the times of the judges. And a judge is in an important role because he's judging between disagreements and he's trying to make righteous edicts. And now this is the most important part of what we're talking about in Deuteronomy 6, 5, and thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart, and with all thy soul, and with all thy might. That's that's a commandment to us that we, when we, I mean, a lot of people say in the founding of America it was a separation of religion and state. Well, that is only in the sense that the separation was to a particular religion, not to the king's church, or to the but we never wanted to be separate from God in the founding of this country. We always wanted to be one nation under God, indivisible. And we are anything but all of that right now. We are not one nation under God and we're not united. We're definitely completely divided. So when you think of justice, most of the time, most of us think that justice is kind of a scary thing because we want to have mercy. But do you really want mercy to take justice from us? Would you like a lawless country that has no no law? Mercy requires um, atonement. It requires payment. It requires... Um, someone to balance the deck. But we don't want to just have complete freedom without any consequence. That That's nothing but chaos. And that is where we're headed. Unfortunately, in our world today is a, a place of chaos.
1: Or, or in, the, in the terms of covenant keeping, mercy requires a mediator.
0: Yeah. Somebody has to pay the price. Justice is not cheated. Justice
1: can't be robbed.
0: Yeah. Justice can't be robbed. It can't be cheated. No. Somebody has to move in and take care of it. Take, for instance, as a parent, many times we have to, to provide atonement for mistakes our children make or whatever the case is, and that's always true. The justice can't be robbed. Okay, so in Deuteronomy eight nineteen, and it shall be, if thou do all, or excuse me, if thou do at all forget the Lord thy God and walk after other gods and serve them, and worship them i testify against you this day that ye shall surely perish so when you read the book of deuteronomy it's almost a little frightful in our day to realize that we are challenging the the justice of god every day in this country and it surely is about to be answered unfortunately we are going to see What we want to consider as our New Testament merciful God, drop the axe to the plummet, or however you want to put it, justice is going to have to come down. And that's a scary thought, but it's real. So when you think of these things, realize that with the blessing comes. The cursing, and you wanted to get into some of that here in a minute. Yeah,
1: I was just going to say right here, right in chapter eight. Let's just point out really quickly that the entire book of Deuteronomy is written as a legal treaty. It's an agreement between an reign and a vassal, or an emperor and, and his subjects. We have. In a legal treaty, we first say who the parties of the treaty are, and God is making it very clear who the suzerain is, who we are agreeing to to be the vassal of. And and so we're we're making very clear, yeah, and we're making very clear the terms of the contract. So in a way,
0: think of Deuteronomy as Israel's constitution. Yeah. I mean, in reality, with it, yeah, with God, it's that clear. And that's the purpose of the book is to define the covenant between God and us. If we want to be his people and personally, I want to be his people. Yeah. So in that regard, I want to be a partaker of that covenant. And yet many, many times we all need mercy. Thank goodness we had a savior who atoned and does pay the price, but don't think of it as free, that he had to pay a price for this, that we share in his mercy. And that price is is that he actually picked up the tab. Now, does that mean we should just freely go about and say, oh, he'll, you know, he'll pick up the tab? No, we want to become just men first, And then made perfect second, just men made perfect, is this process of us walking in the steps towards God. But we have to learn just treatment of one another first. We cannot shortchange how we deal with one another.
1: And it can't be based upon what I think the term should be. Or what you think the term should be, they have to be defined legally.
0: Yeah, and and in this sense, that's what I love about the book of Deuteronomy, is I, I studied in preparation for this, is that it really is beautiful to see how wisely he spelled out everything. Now, some of the conditions there were more pertinent to their day culturally than they are to us culturally, but the principles still are all in there. And it's still, you know, you talk about servitude and everything, and we think, oh, we don't believe in slavery. Well, truthfully, I don't think it was more
1: like employment. Yeah,
0: I don't think servitude in that day was all slavery. Much of it was just employer employee relationships. And in an employer employee relationships he was saying, this is how you treat one another justice and justly in these arrangements. You don't take advantage of this um, employee in this situation, and the employee doesn't take advantage of the employer. It is more of a a, a relationship of service to one another. And, and it's
1: not to minimize evils that may have existed in the day, sure. but it is to say that God's law in every case is trying to improve what the existing cultural situations are. Yeah, it's bringing the forward. Right.
0: And so that constitutional or that governing structure put out in Deuteronomy was very worthwhile in the way it helped them define the relationships in their culture. As a nation which the Lord destroyeth before your face, so shall ye perish, because ye would not be obedient unto the voice of the Lord your God. So what he's saying there is, if you don't live up to these, he's covenants. He's not a
1: respecter of nations. He's
0: not a respecter <laughs> of nations. He's not going to just magically protect us if we don't keep the terms of the agreement. And you
1: kind of mentioned that before when we were doing peculiar treasure at Mount Sinai. Actually, the
0: wording is going to be the same. Here. He's
1: going to use the same and words, same as we exact did on Mount words Sinai?
0: here pretty quick and because he's gonna, those
1: are covenant terms.
0: And he's going to redefine it. A re. Remember it, like oh, you said, Deuteronomy. Remember, Remember, yes. remember. He's trying to, and think about the context of when this is. This is right before they enter the land. Right. Okay, and the terms of them taking the promised land, he's defining what the the Constitution of Israel should be, and that's the Book of Deuteronomy. It's really fascinating. Well,
1: not only is it a treaty where he's going to define the terms of the covenant, but when they enter into the Promised Land, they're actually going to have to go through the ordinance of receiving that covenant. Yeah, as that, a nation, and that's we get really to that fun. when we get to the Book of Joshua. Right?
0: Yeah, and it's really it's really fun to realize that that this isn't a lot different than the establishment of this country the only sad thing is a
1: a ratification of the constitution
0: exactly the only sad thing is is we're now living in a day when we have forgotten the covenant and we've forgotten who we are and we are about to receive the consequence of justice which is kind of sad but true but yet it's a blessed thing because we would not want an unjust an unjust existence
1: and and if we go through carefully in the in the bible as we're studying this year there's actually stages of wickedness that you have before your cup of iniquity is full and even in deuteronomy they have that chapter on the law of apostate cities what has to happen before a city's judgment can fall and oh my gosh, this connects in so many ways because in Revelation, that's what's happening in heaven is they're acting out the legal the legal parameters for judgment falling on the yes. world in Revelation. Yes,
0: and, and he's gonna take the title deed of the earth. Let's just go on here with Deuteronomy 10:17. For the Lord your God is God of gods and Lord of lords, a great God, a mighty and terrible, which regardeth not persons, nor taketh reward. What that's really telling us is that he is the supreme justice, the, <laughs> justice, the supreme decision maker. It's just. And he's also telling us that he's not a respecter of persons right there, which regardeth not persons, meaning he is going to judge according to righteousness. And he doesn't take bribes contrary to the way we operate in our day. The leaders take bribes all the time. In fact, there's so much corruption that it's hard to even distinguish where the truth lies because our leaders do take rewards. They take deals and favors and every president practically that we have known in modern times has increased their net worth in their presidency beyond belief in the sense that they have accepted rewards. They have taken special favors and deals. In their presidency and that leads to total corruption which we have total corruption in our day
1: you know it's beautiful <clears throat> when you ask yourself why does god not take a reward
0: because he's about our our moving forward along the list he is not about and we think oh well god takes tithing well no don't no, think about it tithing and offerings he he takes to serve us it's just administrative that he does that how was the last time god actually took it and and you know (laughs) it's
1: easy it's easy to think that god has no need but the reality is the reason he has no need is because he casts it upon the waters and it returns to him tenfold quoting the proverb
0: well in, in, in essence he he has fulfilled those needs and now his need is to bring to pass the immortality and the eternal life of man. His whole goal is to be, to bring us up. Let's go to Deuteronomy 10. Um, thou shalt fear the Lord thy, excuse me. Thou shalt fear the Lord thy God. Him shalt thou serve, and to him shalt thou cleave and swear by his name. He is thy praise, and he is thy God that hath done for thee these great and terrible things which thine eyes have seen. He's referring to the miracles of coming out of Egypt. He's referring to all these things. But realize when he says, Thou shalt fear the Lord God and him shalt thou serve. Well, in that, we think sometimes, well, that's an egotistical God. He's telling us just to serve him. Wait a minute. In the previous verse, he just said he takes no reward. So he's telling us to serve him so that we will serve one another because the whole process of serving him is that it is service to everyone around us. Okay. So he's, he's sharing with us that that's why it's the same reason we are commanded to praise him. I've always said praise music isn't for God or praise. When we praise in song, we praise praises. It's because it's a reset of our programming when we worship, it resets our inner compass. And I'm sure that He appreciates the love, but the real reason He commands us to praise, and I know this from personal experience, when I've been in hard times, I've been in low places, I've been discouraged, or whatever the case might be, I'm in a situation where praise resets me. It brings me back to focus. It realigns me with my direction. Let's go ahead and jump into Deuteronomy 11, verse 27 and 28. Blessed if ye obey the commandments of your Lord God, which I command you this day. So we see blessings and a curse if ye do not obey the commandments of the Lord your God, but turn aside out of the way which I command you this day and go after other gods, which ye have not known. So he's saying if we get sidetracked, it's like idolatry. When we get sidetracked with things and and misalignment, really the, the the object or the outcome of that is usually the lack of blessing because idols kind of goes hand in hand with idleness. It it kind of is shaking hands in the sense, and when we are worshiping idols or worshiping other gods, whether they be things or whatever the case is, maybe it's not we think it's some other other thing is a deity but we spend our time with these things too much relaxation too much recreation all of these things what that sums into is idleness we become unproductive and so it's almost a hand-in-hand situation where if you if you do not worship god and focus your attention on on good then it naturally tends towards bad or, like I said, idleness.
1: Well, I love in the Book of Mormon, it says, all things that lead to Christ are good. And um, I think it's interesting here in this verse that we're talking about a blessing if you obey the commandments and a curse if you will not obey the commandments. Because in reality, can you have a blessing if there is no cursing or vice versa? In Hebrew, they are two sides of the same coin, like heads or tails on on a quarter.
0: Well, and I love that. That if there's no penalty, then there is no law.
1: Exactly.
0: You and, can't expect what you don't inspect. You can't. You can't have a outcome of a righteous or a good agreement or contract if there isn't both sides to the contract and, and Lehi, it's defined.
1: They do a beautiful. Contrast of that in 2 Nephi 3 in the Book of Mormon, the opposition in all things, and that you have to have law.
0: Yeah, law is a good thing, and we have made it a bad thing in our day. And we think, oh, law is, you know, let's just avoid it, and rioting or whatever is just okay. Well, no, that shows a direction a society is taking that's going to lead to destruction. Okay, but in the process of all that, God also... Commands us to be kind. If there be among you a poor man of one of thy brethren within any of thy gates in thy land which the Lord thy God giveth thee, thou shalt not harden thy heart, nor shut thy hand from thy poor brother. So right there, he's he's telling us, hey, if guy's down and out, bless him. Now I think we've got all confused, and and we've have a lot of people who want government to take that role on that should be a personal role okay we want we've been sold a bill of goods that government should take on the role or that law justice and law should take on the role of your kindness no it's a personal thing you should take on the role of kindness you should take on the role of helping your brother it should be a personal thing not a of dictated theft amongst, and I say theft, because that's not just. If government takes on the role of being the benevolent one, it has to take it from somebody. So it had to rob from somebody. But if you choose to give it, then it's a total just transaction. And it's blessed in, it's unto you for righteousness. And that's in the next verse. And thou shalt surely give him, and thy heart shall not be grieved when thou givest unto him, because that is for this thing the Lord thy God shall bless thee in all thy works. So God's really telling us, if you have that giving spirit in your heart, I like to use the word, what goes around comes around. I love that. <laughs> I actually first coined that when I watched the proddy kid, and, mm-hmm. and he's coming out after he He kind of got himself in trouble with the other guy, and and he uses that word. Well, it's coming around. What goes around, coming around. (laughs) Anyway, so um, I love the concept that we will be blessed if we give. And it's almost like we can't give enough without the blessings coming back to us.
1: But I love that in Deuteronomy, there's agency.
0: Sure, it's all about agency.
1: It's not dictated what you should give. That's
0: the difference between righteousness and unrighteousness. Is we need to choose to be giving, not be demanded to be giving, because that always ends in corruption. You know, it always ends in, you know, who is making the decision. And it just gets messy. But if it's your heart that gives, it's good. And all that thou puttest thy hand unto will be blessed. That's what he's saying. If you, if you have that, that spirit of kindness and that spirit of giving personally, don't leave it to to government don't leave it to to other nature be that person be that person that's giving and God promises you he will bless you now it seems like in all of the Torah or in all the first five books of Moses well I guess Exodus not so much a little bit but but in the next four books of of Moses or the five books of Torah the last four. Every one of them has a, a chapter that or chapters that focus on the Moadim. And the reason I find that fascinating is because I, I you know I think it's kind of us the prophetic appointed <laughs> times
1: www.propheticappointments.com
0: <laughs> <come on>, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, and we absolutely believe that the Moadim is so significant. Because it literally is God's day planner. And so, virtually, Deuteronomy 16 is all about reassuring the appointed times. And so, it's three times in a year thou shalt all thy mills appear before the Lord thy God in a place which he shall choose in the feast of the unleavened bread, the feast of weeks, and the feast of tabernacles. And they shall not appear before the Lord empty, meaning. Three times a year you bring and in an agricultural c- context, that would be very pertinent that these three times in a year you bring your tithes, your offerings, your 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 things to the Lord, and He's telling you not to come before the Lord empty. And why do we bring tithes and offerings? Well it's not to make men rich. We bring our tithes and the offerings so that the God's kingdom can operate. The whole purpose of offerings is to have the means for God's kingdom to function. And so, just
1: really quickly, I'm just going to to throw out there that the offering in the spring is the barley harvest, and the offering in the summer is the wheat harvest, and the offering in the fall is the grape harvest.
0: Which and, is going to come on the next slide, to a degree. Okay. But what I wanted to show is that it's when I say three times, there's actually seven appointed of these festivals, but three times are the three groupings of these. It's okay. kind of the three groupings, and I'm going to just show you here. The first grouping is the spring barley offering, good, good. then the wheat offering, and then the grape offering, and those are the three groupings of times and,
1: and we're not that just,
0: were to come before it.
1: We're not just making this up. This is scriptural. So the, exactly. the first fruit harvest, at the first coming of Christ is going to be those green festivals there, and then Everything that has to do with the time of the Gentiles and Pentecost or Just, is wheat. We have wheat and tares, we have all these different parables talking about wheat, and mm. that's during this time, this time when when people are being gathered from every nation.
0: So it's interesting that in all the different books in the Torah or in that that he addresses this almost every time. Yeah. In fact, even In Exodus, um, Noah, when the ship lands, is on first fruits. So, and then you have Exodus 12,
1: which is the Passover. Yeah, so it's And they're actually walking through the first round, the first introduction historically of the feasts in Exodus.
0: But I don't want to get too bogged down in this because we've hit it before.
1: Well, I do want to hit, just for people that might not know, that the, the ones in the purple, the last three, Trumpets, Atonement, and Tabernacles, that these are all pictures of his second coming, which is always in Scripture, talking about grapes, the wine press, yes. and all of the and grape imagery. End-time
0: harvest, harvest imagery. Yeah. Yep. Uh-huh. Okay, Deuteronomy eighteen fifteen, The Lord thy God will raise up unto thee a prophet from the midst of thee. Of thy brethren, like unto me, unto him ye shall hearken. So I find it fascinating when the Lord says in Deuteronomy 18, He's saying, when He raises up a prophet, it's going to come from among you. I think that's beautiful. When we think about who is our prophet, who are our leaders, they came from amongst us. And that's a beautiful thing. I actually really find that to be comforting. They're not. Um, from a foreign place, more or less. They are, they're one with us, so to speak. They're part of our people. I will raise them up a prophet from among their brethren, like unto thee. So it'll come from amongst thee. I will put my words in his mouth, and he shall speak unto them all that I shall command him. So it's saying, it's almost like, and even this kind of made its way into the Constitution. The president... The leader is not going to be from afar. He has to be a natural-born citizen. And in a sense, that's the way God's saying amongst his people. The leaders are going to come from amongst the people. They're not going to be flown in from another country. A stranger. A stranger. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's beautiful. And I realize that this applies at all the levels. Um, and it actually made its way into the constitution that way so that we could not have a president that was, or at least weren't supposed to have a president that was not naturally born. And it shall come to pass that whatsoever, or excuse me, that whosoever will not hearken unto my words, which he, the prophet shall speak in my name, I will require it of him. So he's saying, whether it come from me or from the words of my prophet, It is the same. So in that regard, we are under obligation to follow our Moses, to follow our leaders in that sense. And that's a beautiful thing. It's sometimes difficult for those who want to find themselves in opposition to those things. But here in Deuteronomy, he's saying, hey, if he's the prophet, follow him. He actually gives us a way to tell here coming up who the prophet is. But before I do that, I have to jump into my Hebrew of prophet. Okay. So let's just look at this word prophet in Hebrew. Nun bet yod aleph. Okay. the Nun bet yod aleph. Just right off the bat. To continue the family's work of the father. In essence, what that is, is saying that a prophet's whole role is to continue the family of the father. That is—is is that not what we're here about? That we're here on earth to become part of the kingdom of the Father, and that we're supposed to be part of His family. And it's right in the word prophet that His role is to help, actively engaged in in the work of the Father. He's a strong leader that works in the temple of life. Is another way you could put it. The bet being the tent of life, the tabernacle in the wilderness his his whole work he's the strong leader he's the aleph's hand in the temple of life i think that's beautiful it is and, incredible. Uh, isn't that incredible right there in the hebrew it's uh pronounced the bees often become v's in hebrew so you could say it nabi but usually they say it navi and just so you know that's the way it's worded and i wanted to go back to deuteronomy eighteen fifteen the Lord thy God will raise up unto thee a prophet from the midst of thee, of thy brethren, like unto me. This is Moses speaking. Unto him ye shall hearken. So he's saying when he raises up these people unto us and pay heed to their counsel. And then we go on in the next next few verses where he actually starts to get into false prophets in a minute and we'll get there. But the prophet which shall presume to speak a word in my name, which I have not commanded him to speak, or that shall speak in the name of other gods, even that prophet shall die. That's a a double whammy here, because he's actually making it a law unto Israel that they are not going to allow false prophets. And that becomes very important at the time of Christ.
1: Well, also in in our last one, we were talking about Balaam.
0: Yeah, a exactly. And the angel with
1: that drawn sword, and he said, you speak the words of God.
0: Or I will slay you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's in the last last session when you were watching the last one. But in this one, what I wanted to point out, this is, this is a double whammy, because this is saying, yeah, he, he, they're commanding them to not allow blasphemy. But in the case of Christ, it kind of trapped them.
1: Right.
0: Because they had to... It's kind of a checkmate. It's kind of a checkmate. He kind of maneuvered the pieces to use this part of the law to trap them, that they either had to accept him as God or as the son of God or else kill him. And that he kind of planned it that way. Yeah, I love the new song that's come out. If you've not heard it, forever he was crucified. Meaning, and that's a beautiful song. I wish If you haven't heard it, you should. It's so beautifully done. And it's basically saying this was planned from the beginning of time. And if you watched our very first session on Sheath, you understand that the cross event, the crucifixion, the atonement, was planned before the beginning of time as we know it.
1: The willingness of the Son to redeem the house of the Father.
0: Yeah, it's, it was there from the beginning. And so in a way, he put this in there for two reasons. He put this in there that we might understand the importance of dealing with false prophets, but he also put it in there that if they didn't recognize the true one, which was Christ, our Lord, that they would have to crucify him. And that was kind of planned from the beginning, Um, which is kind of sometimes hard because we want to say, oh, those Jews, they crucified our Lord. Well, truthfully, um, didn't we all kind of do that? didn't we all kind of put him into that condition with our lives wasn't it our sins yeah wasn't that it
1: nailed him to that cross
0: or in the garden yeah it's beautiful when you think about the figuratively way that's approached and if thou say in thy heart how shall we know the words of the lord hath not spoken so here in the next verse the lord's gonna answer how we know whether they're a prophet or not a prophet Which is kind of fascinating that he would make it this clear for us. Um, And he answers that in the very next verse. When a prophet speak in the name of the Lord, if the thing follow not nor come to pass, then this, the thing which the Lord hath not spoken, but the prophet hath spoken it presumptuously, and thou shalt not be afraid of him. That's kind of, Wow. So that puts the monkey on our back a little bit. That we have to... Uh, we have to discern false prophets, false prophecies. And that's, that's kind of a hard place to be. That's why you find, at least I have found this to be true, that most of our leaders are very careful about what they say. And they're very careful about what they say because they know the... Um, responsibility they carry and i think that is a very beautiful thing because they do carry a very strong responsibility
1: the reason i was smiling a little bit earlier is because joseph smith quoted this verse several times with regards to uh, himself when he said if if a prophet speak of something and it's not of the lord it won't come to pass but if it does come to pass, you better listen <laughs> yeah,
0: so that's it's it's kind of putting the monkey on our back a little bit um back in verse twenty one there you know how should we know the words which the Lord has spoken you know, and quite often we want to make it easy and we want to place our the responsibility for our exaltation on someone else, and truly it rests with us we have to to take that responsibility on ourselves. And granted, they are counseling to us and we should heed their counsel, but it's not our leader's responsibility to make sure you don't mess up. That's your responsibility. It's our responsibility.
1: Well, I love what Jesus said when he was talking to the Pharisees that were excommunicating the people that believed in Christ basically in the in the time of in the New Testament. And he told them that the true porters lead the sheep to the shepherd. Right. And he says, and and to the gate of the sheepfold. He says, I am the gate. I am the door. Right. And they lead they they lead the sheep to him.
0: Okay, this is this is our setting apart, you might say, as Israel. And if you look at Deuteronomy as Israel's constitution and that our constitution was basically mostly or a good lot of it was taken from Deuteronomy, then this, this is pertinent to us. And the Lord hath avowed thee this day to be his peculiar people as he hath promised thee that thou shalt keep all his commandments. So he's put it on us. Hey, you've been set apart. And if you don't believe this, I don't know what to tell you. I know that Timothy Ballard believes this, and I believe this, and many people I love believe this. But that we here in America are on the promised land. We are supposed to be a peculiar people. And based on that, it's like some of the early founding fathers, and I wish I had the memory of the exact quote. When you think of that, you think how much uh, I don't know. I like, I hate to use Billy Graham in there, but he says, if God doesn't judge us soon, he needs to apologize to Sodom and Gomorrah. <laughs> and I, I, I don't mean to be, um, I don't really mean to be alarming, but the truth of it is, we're almost there, we're, we're right there at the Sodom and Gomorrah stop punt. I mean, and I can't imagine a just God is not going to judge us soon. It just is pretty obvious to me. Anyway, and here's the promise that goes along this. If you are a peculiar people, and to make thee high above all nations, and he hath made in praise and in name and in honor, that thou mayst be a holy people unto the Lord thy God, as he hath spoken. He's telling us, and this is the same wording we went through Back before in uh, in Leviticus and in these other places where he says you're to be a peculiar, a set-apart holy people. And if we indeed are the promised land as we profess, if this is indeed the land of the new Jerusalem, then the covenants upon this land are as the same as the covenants on the old world. And therefore, this all applies to us.
1: Well, and it and it's also, again, just to reiterate, this isn't favoritism or partialism to nations or anything. The reason that they are a high and above all nations is because they are in covenant with him.
0: Exactly. And they're set apart peculiar people.
1: And subject to both the blessings and the cursings.
0: And here's the other side of it. Curse be he that confirm not all the words of this law to do them. And all the people shall say... Amen. So he's basically putting... Amen. Yeah, amen. He's putting (laughs) Israel under covenant. And if we are Israel, we are under covenant, just like they were. And we are to keep the covenant. Now, now, if you're familiar with right the Decalogue Stone, is that what they call Uh it? Okay, the Decalogue Stones, which is coming here on the screen, you realize that in this museum back east and in the mount there in Ohio, they found these stones... And on it was the name of Moshe, which is the Hebrew way of saying Moses, and a complete copy of the Ten Commandments that they found in one of the mounts back in Ohio. So that being said, so are we is, in the covenant land or is what?
1: Native American mounds, right? Well, in the Hopewell mounds.
0: Hopewell mounds, yep. Ah. And so if we are under covenant like they are, then that law, This law, Deuteronomy, is our law. It is our covenant. And anybody doesn't take a genius to see that we better wake up, or at least God's people better wake up. I mean, I don't think it's hardly possible for this country to be spared as is. But we want to be spared. We want to be part of his people. And the Lord hath avowed thee this day to be a peculiar people as he hath promised thee. He's repeating it again. Be a set-apart people, and it shall come to pass, if thou shalt hearken diligently unto the voice of the Lord thy God, to observe and to do all his commandments which I command thee this day, that the Lord thy God will set thee on high above all nations and of the earth, And all these blessings shall come on thee and overtake thee if thou shalt hearken unto the voice of the Lord thy God. So there's the promise. If we'll do it, if we'll be that people, he just gave us a promise that we'll be the head of the nations. We'll be the head, not the tail. And if we don't, we'll be the tail, not the head. And that's very clear. The Lord shall open unto thee his good treasure the heavens to give the rain and thy land in all his seasons and to bless all the work of thy hand and thou shalt lend unto many nations and thou shalt not borrow boy are we in trouble (laughs) Um, but we were there at one time we were the place where we were and even now we somewhat are the head of nations it's just not going to last a long time because well I guess it's not out of the question that uh, uh, Nineveh did repent It don't seem likely now, looking at things that we're going to repent, at least not as a whole. But we were started as a God-fearing nation. I love this picture of George Washington at Valley Forge. This is our roots. This is who we were when we covenanted before God to be a nation. And when they said the separation of church and state, that was very... On purpose, because they didn't want to be holden to a particular creed of religion. Because creeds get corrupt. And they didn't want these particular creeds of religions to be in power. But when you understand the founding fathers, you understand they were all God-fearing. And there was none of them that wanted a separation from God. They just wanted a separation from the religions of men because that's how the corruption begins the church of england the all the different corruptions the catholics the the different types of injustice that have taken place in the name of religion is what they wanted to avoid but none of them wanted to come out from under being one nation under god
1: well as a matter of fact that they said that the constitution was Written to govern a moral people, but if the people became immoral, then there was no amount of law. I think it's kind of
0: worded that there is no document capable, or this Constitution is incapable of governing an unrighteous people. Right. In fact, there probably is not a Constitution capable of governing an unrighteous people. It always ends the same in destruction and judgment.
1: Usually, the wicked destroying the wicked.
0: Sure, and that's exactly how it's going to happen. And the Lord shall make thee the head and not the tail, and thou shalt be above only, and shall not be beneath, if thou hearken unto the commandments of the Lord thy God, which I command thee this day, to observe and to do them. And Israel was there until it stopped keeping covenant. And what happened to Israel? I don't know if you've ever read the different times when Israel was overtaken, like with Nebuchadnezzar and with um, Antiochus Epiphanes and with Titus. Um, When Rome conquered um, Israel with Titus, they literally had the things happening that I'm about to read to you, which I'm going to warn you up front, this is not the pleasant side. This is the cursing side of the covenant. This is the consequence of the covenant. And that's what happened in ancient Israel on several occasions when they strayed from God. And And,
1: and this is why God wants us to come into covenant, is so that these things don't happen.
0: And keep covenant. Not just come into covenant, but keep covenant. They came into covenant, but the consequence fell upon them because they broke covenant. So... But it shall come to pass, if thou will not hearken unto the voice of the Lord thy God, to observe and to do all his commandments and his statutes, which I command thee this day. Okay, this is right before they go into the land. Moses has given them their constitution right before they go into the land. And he's telling them, yes, this is your blessing. But with the flip side, this is the cursing. I command thee this day that these curses shall come upon thee and overtake thee. Now I want to warn you right now, these cursings don't sound very fun and I'm not going to do them all. But I want to share with you some of them. But before I do, I'm going to let Rhonda take a little bit of this covenant between the mounts.
1: Right. So moses is actually going to tell them in deuteronomy chapter 11 that they are going to um when they enter into the promised land that he actually wants the priest to stand on two mountains opposite of each other and as they go through and as they pass between the two pieces they pass between the two mountains they are going to call out the covenant curses and the covenant blessings to the children of Israel. And it says right here in verse 29, And it shall come to pass, when the Lord thy God hath brought thee in unto the land, whither thou goest to possess it, that thou shalt put the blessings upon Mount Gerizim, and the curses upon Mount Ebal. I can always remember the curses on Mount Ebal because it sounds like evil, so oh, Ebal, evil. <laughs> evil. <laughs> the Which they
0: found the altar.
1: Yeah, and they found Joshua's altar, altar by the city of Shechem, and, and they know where this was. We'll actually show you some pictures when we go through um, in the book of Joshua. But it says in verse 30, And they are they not on the other side of Jordan by the way where the sun goeth down? He's telling where the mountains are. In the land of Canaanites, which dwell in the campaign over against Gilgal, beside the plains of mora that's when they that's up there uh in bashan where where they took out the giants and they not on the other side verse 31 for ye shall pass over jordan to go in to possess the land which the lord your god giveth you and ye shall possess it and dwell therein and the statutes and you shall observe to do the statutes and the judgments which i set before you this day so he's instructing them how to make this, this kind of- covenant
0: Kind of the ordinance of adopting this,
1: right? With the curses being shouted out from Mount Gerizim, and the equal Ex- and the and the blessings being in a shouted way, look at
0: Mount it as Gerizim. the ratification of our constitution. They are going through between these mounts, and they're accepting the covenant. They're accepting their constitution.
1: Well, and it's 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 actually called the covenant between the pieces when we're baptized. We go and we part the waters. We, we part the waters with our bodies, and th- that is a covenant between the pieces. And it, it's, it's beautiful. beautiful. It's the way to cut yes. a covenant in Hebrew.
0: Yeah. Now, you might say, is this really going to apply to us? Well, let's just look at modern Scripture. Yea, verily, to seal them up unto the day when the wrath of God shall be poured out upon the wicked without measure. So these covenants. This is DNC section one, verse nine. This is real quick into the introductory section of the doctrine covenants where he's saying that this is going to come upon us. And I, I the word here, when the wrath of God, that, that defines a particular moment in time.
1: He's a guy in Isaiah.
0: <laughs> yep. And the well, he's a guy in Isaiah, but it's also a particular
1: time period. And that period. guy is in uh, power, right? Yep.
0: And this is, this is, um, unfortunately or fortunately, depending on your perspective, this is the justice about to be poured out upon the wicked. And for me, I look at it as a good thing because I don't know, as you look into the future right now, it does not look fun for this amount of corruption to continue.
1: Well, in the terms of the wheat and the tares it's when the tears get burned and judged that's a good thing for the wheat because the tears were choking the
0: exactly weed. and if you're not feeling the choking yet you will uh, i mean we're all i'm feeling it already when i'm just spiritually it's incredibly there <clears throat> now this next verse um i when i read this to um glenn beck he just almost his mouth dropped open <laughs> Hail the Assyrian, the rod of my anger, and he is the staff of the wrath of their hand.
1: My wrath in their hand. Yeah, my
0: wrath in his, in their hand. I'm sorry. I will commission him against a godless nation, and that's the part where Glenn Beck got really, just emotional, almost reaction. Godless nation. We have become that. Boy, does that just break your heart? Does mine because I actually go back far enough and I'm confessing a little bit here, but I remember when, as a child, when I was growing up, we kept the Sabbath day in, in, at least in Utah, we did. In Utah, we kept the Sabbath day holy. There was not a ton of things going on. There wasn't, all the stores weren't open. It was just, it was part of our culture. And now it doesn't even hardly exist. anyway I will commission him against a godless nation appoint him over a people deserving of my vengeance to pillage for plunder to spoil it for spoil to tread underfoot like mud in the streets now that's kind of a heartbreak on the one side but our deliverance is nigh and I'm going to get to the good stuff and I want to just prepare you there because that's the team you want to be on when it says The great and terrible day of the Lord. Make a decision today to be on the great side, not the terrible side. Let's just make a decision right here.
1: Did you quote Isaiah 19?
0: Uh, No, I did not. Okay,
1: so you got to let me quote Isaiah 19 after that one. Okay. And the Lord shall smite it as he will smite Egypt, and he, he will heal it. And they shall return even to the Lord. And he shall be entreated of them, and he shall heal them.
0: So that's, and I should have used that one. That was beautiful. So what he's really saying is, as we get our spanking, that's going to heal us. In other words, the spoiled child, at least a good portion will come home. And that's a beautiful thing. So this time of wrath, my wrath in their hand, it's pointing to a particular time. And that particular time is, is these last... Time, times, and half a time, spoken of in Daniel 12, in verse 7, when it says, time, times, and half a time, more, molded, more, and a half. That is this particular time that just is these last three and a half years that we know of, and that's spoken of as the wrath. This is the comforting part, that we are not appointed unto that time, and I'm going to get there here in just a minute.
1: First Thessalonians? Yeah.
0: The Lord shall send upon the cursings, vexations. and Before I, before I move to the good stuff, you got to hear the bad stuff.
1: Right, because uh, there are two sides of the same coin. Yeah. They're one coming off of one mountain, one coming and off the This is the, the kind of
0: stuff that was happening at when Titus took Jerusalem and the siege. And when the siege was um, with um, at Nebuchadnezzar in some of the early times when Jerusalem was sieged in the past, it got pretty sad. <coughs> okay. So I rebuke thee in all that thou settest thy hand unto for to do, unto thou be destroyed. it
1: over. Because I coughed in the middle. You're rebuking her cough. Yeah, started over.
0: And the Lord shall send upon thee cursings, vexation, and rebuke in all that thou settest thy hand unto for to do, until thou be destroyed, and until thou perish quickly, because of the wickedness of thy doings whereby thou hast forsaken me. We are
1: I just like uh, let's just not forsake him.
0: Yeah, I I'm on, <laughs> i I want to be on that team. I want to be on that team. Don't you want to be on that team? Let's be on that team. Let's I love the song who's on the Lord's side who. Um, you know, it's time to choose that you'll be on his team. The Lord shall make the pestilence cleave unto thee until he hath come Assumed thee from off the land, whether thou goest to possess it. Boy, that's a pretty strong language, but it's kind of part of the conditions of occupying a promised land. It's kind of like the Book of Mormon says we get the broom, we get swept. Um, DNC five, verse 19. And I've kind of hit this before, but I just want to show you the parallels that we're experiencing. For a desolating scourge shall go forth among the inhabitants of the earth and shall continue to be poured out from time to time if they repent not. Let's choose repentance. Until the earth is empty and the inhabitants thereof are consumed away and utterly destroyed by the brightness of my coming. You know, the Lord's not messing with us. He's not a respecter of persons. He's not going to require... The Jews to go through that kind of a scourging in 70 AD with Titus and then spare us from it if we commit the same kind of whoredoms. If we are not repentant as a people. Now, Isaiah, which he just read, says that there is a remnant that's repentant. Let's be them. Let's be that people. And the Lord shall smite thee with consumption and with a fever and with an inflammation and with an extreme burning, and with the sword, and with blasting, and with mildew, and they shall pursue thee until thy perish." This is just not fun stuff, but this is the flip side of covenant. If you serve not the God of this land, then you will be swept off. He's done it before. He's not a respecter of persons. He will do it again if we do not serve the God of this land. This, These plagues that we will see and are seeing are going to continue until we stop with the stupidity, until we come home to our God. And in that generation shall the time of the Gentiles be fulfilled, and there shall be men standing in that generation, but the time of the Gentiles are fulfilled, that shall not pass until they shall see an overflowing scourge, for a desolating sickness shall cover the land. Now, if you parallel that with um, DNC 5, you realize that this is going to be a reoccurring scourge. We're already seeing that a little bit, but it is going to continue. We're going to see these waves of sickness. But you remember back in the first part of this, when I read Deuteronomy, the prom- promises that we wouldn't experience the sickness of Egypt or the diseases of Egypt? Well, if we follow two things take a word of wisdom what does it say that the abomination the, the, the scourge will pass over you if we live correctly and we do the things we ought to do these scourges can pass over us
1: and that's the same thing that happened with the plagues of Egypt the first three plagues that were discomfort affected everyone yeah. but when it got to the judgment plagues they will did pass not over occur the righteous in the land of Goshen yeah
0: and so we will be passed over if we become that people. If we are his people, we will be passed over. And that's beautiful. But we are kind of getting a little wake-up call. A little, you know, the warning bell's ringing right now. You know, we're hearing the warning bell, and it's ringing. Heed it now. But my disciples shall stand in holy places, and shall not be moved. But among the wicked men shall lift up their voices, and curse God, and die. See, that's the difference. We're going to turn to our Lord and stand waiting for his direction. And the wicked are going to start cursing God. They're going to just start blaming him and coming up with all the reasons. And we're going to see more and more and more of that.
1: But there are those who repent and are healed.
0: Exactly. Let's be them. And the heaven that is over thy head shall be as brass, and the earth that is under thee shall be as iron. So it's saying that we're not going to... He's not going to heed us quickly if we don't turn to Him quickly. The Lord shall make the rain of thy land powder and dust. From heaven shall it come down upon thee until thou be destroyed. This is the cursed side of this. This is what God told ancient Israel and we claim to be Israel. So it applies to us. If we do not repent... These are our carcasses. And thy carcasses shall be meat unto the fowls of the air and unto the beasts of the earth. And no man shall fray them away. That's saying that we're not going to be able to eat the fruit of the land. They're just going to, the, the, the fowls of the air are going to do it. The beasts are going to do it. We're going to be laid waste in general. And that, I know that's not a popular topic. And the only solution to that is keep the covenant. And it doesn't look likely that the country as a whole will do that. I pray the Latter-day Saints will do that in our day, that we will be repentant and that we will turn back to our Lord and turn back to our God. The Lord shall smite thee with madness and with blindness and astonishment of heart, and thou shalt grope at noonday as the blind grope within darkness. And thou shalt not prosper in thy ways, and thou shalt be only oppressed and spoiled evermore, and no man shall save thee. This isn't fun stuff. I want you to know, when when Lehi called Jerusalem to repentance before Nebuchadnezzar destroyed Jerusalem and before these judgments came upon Israel of old, yeah, it wasn't fun. And there's a portion of it that's not going to be fun. But we saw giants spiritually come through those times. Daniel, Adshat, Meshach, and Abednego. We saw giants come through these times. We saw Lehi come to this country. We saw many, many things in that period of time when, when a whole new a whole new way, well, in essence, it was the whole creation of the Nephites at that time. So much can come from it. And we will see similar things by the obedient that obey his words during these times thou shalt this is funny what sure (laughs) lighten it up a little (laughs) this is pretty heavy stuff i just
1: (laughs) laugh sometimes when i hear you going on because you know it would be shadrach not Uh, (laughs) adshack
0: you can be funny i'm always pronouncing things (laughs) wrong um this, uh, uh, you, uh, there's nothing I, I'm long. just sitting
1: here smiling. I figure I better tell everybody what I'm smiling okay. about.
0: Um, I do have my own language. <laughs> uh, and I
1: Jack, That was funny. Uh,
0: okay. this If this doesn't explain where we're at, and thou shalt betroth the wife, and another man shall lie with her. Wait, does that sound like our day? Everywhere. Um, I mean, it's, it's kind of sad. And thou shalt build a house, and thou shalt not dwell therein. Thou shalt plant a vineyard, and shalt not gather the grapes thereof. That's saying that, that theft and corruption is going to be everywhere. Now, we're seeing that already. It's it's all around us, and it's only getting worse, unfortunately. But it's got to get to the point where God's going to say, Enough, which he eventually does. Enough. The old people like me. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> i know. Hopefully not too old yet. But, and the young people. He's, it's going to be heartless. I mean, if you understand how many of the uh, Islamic nations treat people and as China does not respect life that much, we're going to see some cruel masters if you want to look at that. way,
1: I have that Book of Mormon verse if you're ready. Go if for you're it. Ready. Well, this is from Ether chapter 2, verse 8. And he hath sworn in his wrath unto the brother of Jared, that whoso should possess this land of promise from that time henceforth and forever should serve him the true and only God, or they should be swept off when the fullness of his wrath should come upon them."
0: I know people are not real positive about repentance. I mean, it's like we, we really want our Christian Christ. But just all you got to do is love him and say, you're my Lord and you're saved. I know that's what we want, but I love the way James puts it. I'll show you my faith by my obedience. And I'm paraphrasing.
1: Are you okay if I get a little personal here with Isaiah? Sure. With Isaiah, it is idolatry that causes blindness. So often... We don't know what we need. You know, we hear repent, repent, but we don't know what to repent of. If we don't know what to repent of, then we're blind.
0: It's because we're, And
1: if it's we like are it said, blind,
0: it's because it of is of
1: because of idolatry. Yeah. And that means that we have put something in front of studying our scriptures, praying, and getting close enough to the Lord that we know what to repent of.
0: Yeah. Believe me, if you study the scriptures much, you'll figure yeah. it out. <laughs> <That> <laughs> you'll is, you'll start to get it. <laughs> you know, repentance is not uh, not so hard to see when you're studying His Word. And thou shalt eat the fruit of thy own body and the flesh of thy sons and of thy daughters. Wow, we're now talking. You know, um, starvation. Starvation at a level that that did occur in Jerusalem of old, and this actually happened. And, you know, the Donner Party, you know, we've seen these kinds of things happening in times past when in extreme hunger and extreme situations. And it's not fun to think about, but you know that when people become absent of the Spirit of God, they become not respecters of things. I mean, we already don't respect life that much in this country, which is all over right now, the whole topic of of abortion and the whole thing is, is a topic of the day. We look at, you know, Moses killing the young children and Herod killing young children and we think, Oh, how terrible. And yet here we are, it's kind of hard to see. And so it's not a big jump to go from just killing our offspring for convenience to eating our offspring for survival. It's kind of scary, but it's it's right there in scripture, and it has happened to Israel in the past. Um, so when this this comes upon us, and we see this kind of nation swiftly come against us, and we see these kinds of things, it's unfortunately as a nation we've earned it, and that's kind of hard. This is not a pleasant topic, but it is the cursing side of the blessing. And America has seen the blessing so much. And if you don't see that, that we became the head of head of the world in in less than 200 years. Some countries and nations have been around forever, but we became the head of the world in less than 200 years. We seem to be on a fast track both directions. You know, we became strong and now we're selling it all out. So that a man that is tender among you and very delicate. So if this is kind of a, a, a non-He-Man, so to speak. This is not your macho guy. His eyes shall be evil toward his brother, and toward his wife of his bosom, and toward the remnant of his children, which he shall leave. If we don't see these things taking a place around us, then you're not paying attention. So that he will not give to any of them the flesh of his children whom he shall eat. This is hard. This is This is hard stuff. Because he hath nothing left, him in the siege, and in the straightness wherewith thine enemies shall distress thee in all thy gates. And I know it's not popular to talk about these kinds of things. If it wasn't in the scripture, I mean, Deuteronomy 28 reminds me of Isaiah, you know, 28. It, it, it's like, hey, wake up, people. He didn't say that we could break the covenant and not have the consequences. We all want to ignore the consequence, so do my children, then <laughs> they get out of the way. You know, none of them want consequence, but the truth of it is, in a way they do, because consequence changes them to be better people. The tender and delicate woman among you, which would not adventure to set her soul of her feet upon the ground for delicate and tenderness, her eye shall be evil toward her husband and of her bosom and towards her son and towards her daughter. Wow and toward her young one that cometh out between her feet, and toward her children which she shall bear, for she shall eat them for want of the things secretly in the siege in the straitness, wherewith thine enemies shall distress thee in thy gates. This happened in the past. Boy, I pray we can wake up. I pray at least God's people will wake up and repent. So these things, then the Lord will make thy plagues wonderful. That's an interesting translation. And the plagues of this, of thy seed, even great plagues, and of long continuance and sore sickness, and of long continuance. So he's saying these things are going to come upon us. they are already been on us a little bit. This is the teaser. If we repented, he wouldn't have to go to the next step. Just like he wouldn't have taken Pharaoh of old in Egypt to the next step if he would have accepted of the correction at the first step. But true to form, people are kind of slow learners and they don't accept correction. Moreover, he will bring upon thee all the diseases of Egypt which thou was afraid of, and they shall cleave unto thee. So also every sickness and every plague which is not written in the book of the law, them will the Lord bring upon thee until thou be destroyed why am i hitting this well number one it's in deuteronomy and that's the assignment for us to study this but it's the cursing side of the blessing america has had the blessing if you don't see it you don't understand and just like in the book of mormon times they had the beautiful blessing after christ and then they went completely the other way and had to be swept off god is just Yes, He's merciful when we turn to Him. He will forgive us. I love the way he put it. He will save us from our sins, but not in our sins if we don't repent. So these sicknesses, you know, that we're seeing in our day, these things coming upon us as we see these sicknesses and the different things happening, just know the solution twofold. Is repenting? Is the word of wisdom is the things we need to do to be prepared. We need to do what we need to do to be obedient to his words. If thou wilt not observe to do all the words of this law that are written in this book, that thou mayest fear the glorious and fearful name, the Lord thy God. That's why these things will happen. But if we do the words, and we are fearful of him, meaning if we're respectful and obedient to him, We can avoid these things. And ye shall be left few in numbers, wherein ye shall were as the stars of heaven for a multitude, because thou would not obey the voice of the Lord thy God. So this isn't a fun topic, in a way. Deuteronomy is the law. It's the blessing and the cursing. It's the passing between the pieces. So, wake up. Wake up, you Latter-day Saints. Wake up, you Americans. Repent. Now's the time. We don't have a lot of time left to do these things. <clears throat> and among these nations shalt thou find no ease, neither shall thy sole of thy foot have rest, but the Lord shall give thee there a t- trembling heart and fading of eyes and sorrow of mind. But if this isn't written right to us and Ether saying it too, then men shall say, because they have forgotten the covenant of the Lord God of their fathers. Now you could even add to that the covenants with the founding fathers made. Which he made with them when he brought them forth out of the land of Egypt. He is the rock. His word is perfect, for all his ways are, are judgment. A God of truth and without iniquity. Just and right is he. Notice it said just and right. Mercy cannot rob justice. Only repentance can invoke the mercy. The mercy has to be given when we repent. For God has not appointed us. This is the good part, by the way. This is the promise to I'm those. I'm glad
1: you put some good part in Because yeah. I was worried that you are going to end on the cursing.
0: I wanted to get to this part because this is the part that I want to sign on to. For God hath not appointed us to the wrath, but to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us that whether we wake or sleep, we shall, should live together with him. So right here in, um, Thessalonians it gives this is our our reward for repentance that if we become his through the atonement of Jesus Christ if we if we turn to him and worship the god of this land and turn our faith to him we're not appointed under this that means we get a pass from the worst of this well and know, that's I beautiful. Hope
1: that that, I hope that that pass is is being rescuers to go out and help others. Well,
0: and that's those who want. But but you can get a pass from that just by being just. Right. But if you want to do more, and be celestial in nature, then you will choose to serve and bless. And that's what you're talking about. Yeah. We can get We can get a pass <laughs> from the justice by repenting, but we can choose to be saviors on Mount Zion, and to be part of those who will go out and rescue. And that's really wonderful. And um, so I want to just reiterate that one more time. For God has not appointed us unto the wrath, but to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, that whether we wake or sleep, we should live together with him. So is my prayer for us. That is my prayer for you. That is my prayer for all those that they will hear His promptings, that they will hear His heart, and they will respond to His call. And with that, I just want to say thank you. Can this I? Time we're going to skip. Oh, go ahead. I
1: have a verse to read real quick.
0: Okay. All right. So I want to with?
1: I want to close with Deuteronomy 30, and I'm reading from verses 15, 16, and 19 here. See, I have set before thee this day life and good, death and evil, in that I command thee this day to love the Lord thy God, to walk in his ways and to keep his commandments and his statutes and his judgments, that thou mayest live and multiply. I call heaven and earth to record this day against you that I have set before you life and death. Blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life. I love that. That both thou and and thy seed
0: may live. Choose life. That's really what we're talking about here. Choose life. Choose onward and upward to glory. And that's exactly, choose to be on his team and not be a part unless it's in service of these last three and a half years that's referred to as the wrath. With that, we're kind of coming to our the end of this presentation, and I just wanted to end with this verse. Happy art thou, O Israel, who is like unto thee, O people saved by the Lord, the shield of thy help. And who is the sword of thy excellency? And thy enemies shall be found liars unto thee, and thou shalt tread upon their high places." we get to receive the inheritance of the saints it says so in Daniel it says all over the place if we choose the great part if we choose in and choose life so to you I'll end with choose life a blessing for our day thank you